Advent on Air, the science of type 2 inflammation on the go. Welcome to Advent on Air, a podcast featuring conversations between leading experts on the science of type 2 inflammation. Today's episode features a conversation between esteemed dermatologist Dr. Lisa Swanson and renowned allergist Dr. Whaley Song, who will discuss the hallmarks of atopic dermatitis, or AD, and the burden of pediatric AD on patients and caregivers. The speakers are being compensated by Sanofi and Regeneron in connection with this program. Hi, everybody. I'm Lisa Swanson. I'm a dermatologist and pediatric dermatologist in Boise, Idaho. I work in private practice at Ada West Dermatology, and I'm also affiliated with St. Luke's Children's Hospital. Hi, I'm Whaley Song. Um, I'm an allergist and immunologist. I'm in private practice with Allergy Health. Uh, my current position here is I'm Chief Research Innovation Officer, and I'm based in Birmingham, Alabama. To begin our discussion, how would you define pediatric um, atopic dermatitis? Oh, that's a challenging question, even though it sounds like a simple one. I mean, generally speaking, atopic dermatitis is a chronic, systemic, immune-mediated type 2 inflammatory disease. It's characterized by an eczematous dermatitis that tends to come and go. It waxes and wanes. It's also highly characterized by itch. Itch is a really prominent and important feature of atopic dermatitis and a big burden as well. And we know that atopic dermatitis, it doesn't always look the same in everybody. There can be different disease presentations in different people. We're all snowflakes, we're all different. Um, And one of the key differentiating features is skin of color patients tend to present a little bit differently than patients with fairer, lighter skin. We often see more papular eczema. We see more lichenification. We see more pigmentary differences in patients with skin of color. Yeah, that's a great explanation. Um, And I'm really happy that you brought up the heterogeneity of this disease. You also brought up um, that this is a type 2 inflammatory disease, and I just wanted to kind of highlight on that. The inflammation involves the type 2 helper and innate lymphocytes. And if you look at classic immunology, the allergies and having allergic diseases classically goes through this type 2 pathway. And so um, we now know that there are other things that can activate this. This is why we see the heterogeneity of this disease, because there could be not just allergens triggering this, but other things like um, microbes and uh, chemicals and um, things like that. It is so variable. For one disease state, it can be so variable based on patient population, patient age, um, comorbidities, other factors. So Dr. Song, we both know that atopic dermatitis can take several different courses, several different patterns of disease based on patient age and patient um, skin of color. All of these things factor into the atopic dermatitis that we see in our clinics. How would you describe the typical journey of a pediatric patient with atopic dermatitis? Yeah, the, the way I like to answer this question is through kind of the pediatric caregiver perspective. Uh, first, they will go to their, generally go to their primary care provider because in, in the pediatric world, they will go to their well checkups and all the frequent checkups that you see um, in primary care. The other thing they do, Dr. Song, is they, I think they initially go to the internet. 
And then they go to their trusted primary care provider and talk about what they read on the internet. That is correct. You're right. Um, and so usually in their uh, primary care visit, uh, they talk to their uh, primary care doctor about atopic dermatitis. Caregivers are always constantly looking for a trigger. Um, they're, they're asking about, uh, is there a, a detergent or soap or a fabric softener or a lotion or different types of fabrics? Um, is, it, is it heat? Is it kind of cradle cap? Is there a food causing us? Um, and they start going uh, down very many rabbit holes looking for a trigger. And then they also are like, grasping for hope and saying, oh, my kid's definitely going to is definitely going to outgrow it. And um, what's uh, tough about atopic dermatitis is that it is a clinical diagnosis. Um, so there is really nothing classic looking about atopic dermatitis because as we talked about, it can look uh, very differently. And then you also have to exclude other diagnoses that uh, may mimic atopic dermatitis. And then uh, the primary care provider then looks at severity. So, um, so how severe are the lesions, the itchiness? How se uh, how severe is the uh, symptoms, such as not able to sleep, um, just the and, and also the constant scratching, and then the severity of atopic dermatitis depends on how they respond to. Um, their medications. Yeah, no, I, I like what you're talking about. You touched on something really good when it comes to atopic dermatitis diagnosis and discussion and management. One is, is the cradle cap misdiagnosis. You know, in a nine-month-old, cradle cap should really be outgrown by that point in time. And it's eczema, and it's often the first sign of eczema to have it on the scalp. And uh, I frequently see that misdiagnosis. Eczema is miserable. The itch is miserable. It's incessant. These patients would rather feel pain than itch. And so they dig at their skin and they bleed um, because they'd rather have that than the incessant itch. And it's really important for us to be able to see them and help start their path towards feeling better. I often say, it's important to talk about potential side effects when you're talking to families about medicine choices and things, but it's also important to talk about the side effects of not controlling your child's eczema because your child is going to be miserable. They're not going to be sleeping. That leads to trouble at school. That leads to trouble with focus. Um, lack of sleep or poor quality of sleep can even lead to growth disturbances, and we know that patients with really bad AD tend to be small on growth curves. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I tell of my patients, like, I, I get annoyed when I have just several bug bites and mosquito bites all over my arm. Just imagine your entire body itching like that um, in every single day of your life. And just imagine how miserable that is. And like you said, you are absolutely miserable with atopic dermatitis. So, of course, um, every patient is going to be a bit different. Uh, but let's talk about what you're typically going to see when these patients come into the clinic. And how would you describe the clinical presentation and, again, the heterogeneity of this disease? 
Yes, definitely. I mean, yes, we're all snowflakes. Every presentation of atopic dermatitis is a little bit different. A lot of it has to do with the age of the patient. You know, if you're seeing a kiddo or a toddler, there's a very common pattern where it tends to be super prominent on the cheeks and chin especially, and then also arms and legs. As the child gets older, it can kind of localize to the antecubital fossa, the popliteal fossa, sometimes hands and feet, that sort of pattern. As the child gets older still, maybe now they're a teenager, it might be affecting their hands and feet, their eyelids. Um, and then as the disease goes on and on for longer and longer, you start to see some chronic changes visibly in the skin, manifesting as lichenification, pigmentary differences, most commonly hyperpigmentation. And so you can kind of tell how long this has been going on by taking a look at their skin. Earlier acute eczema lesions are gonna be more kind of red and juicy, they might even ooze. Um, and a lot of times that gets mistaken for infection, although eczema is at increased risk of getting infected, eczema itself can ooze. It can do, it can do that, especially in the acute phase. And then as the disease kind of sets in and becomes more chronic, you start to see some of those chronic features. A lot of times in these patients, you're seeing both because they've had chronic disease and they're in a state of acute flare. And so you're seeing this, these overlapping features. The other thing that of course affects the presentation of the disease is uh, skin of color. Patients with skin of color tend to have eczema that's more papular, more follicular. Um, they'll have more impressive lichenification, more impressive pigmentary differences. And it can be really easy to underestimate the severity of the disease in patients with skin of color because you're not seeing that bright redness that you would see in a more fair-skinned patient. And so I make a concerted effort to really kind of in the moment in the clinic examining the patient, really try to appreciate that. Appreciate the color of the skin, which might be more violaceous or hypopigmented as opposed to being bright red. Appreciate any warmth coming from the skin. Appreciate, of course, the symptoms that the patient is having and try to boil all that together to come up with how severe their eczema is so that I can treat them appropriately, you know, diagnose them appropriately and get them started on a regimen that's really gonna work for them. I always love hearing dermatologists speak and talk about the skin. Their, your descriptions and the adjectives are just simply wonderful. We, we love it. And, and I often say that if like dermatologists were to create a pack of crayons, it would be like a hundred shades of red, pink, and purple because we see all these different shades when we look at the skin and it's hard to really describe to, to those of us that aren't looking at skin every single day. Now, you know, Dr. Song, we know that pediatric atopic dermatitis can persist for years, but what's common in pediatric patients in terms of disease duration? How can atopic dermatitis progress over time? Are there any words of wisdom that we can pass on to our patients and their families about what they're in for with this? Yeah, um, so to answer this question, I kind of like to talk about how historically, from an allergist point of view, that we looked at um, atopic dermatitis. Uh, we knew atopic dermatitis uh, fit in this theory of, uh, that uh, called the allergic march, uh, which states that um, that atopic dermatitis was the biggest risk factor for developing all of these allergic diseases. The theory behind it is that that because you have an impaired skin barrier in atopic dermatitis, you allow all those uh, pollens and pet dander and dust mite uh, uh, allergens to go through the skin. 
and the immune system says, hey, uh, I really don't like this stuff on my skin. Um, uh, it's not the natural way of, of handling all of this stuff. And so the lymphocytes and the inflammatory cells start picking it up and they potentially can traffic to other parts of the body. So they can traffic to the nose causing allergic rhinitis and then and then eventually over time, you start seeing in teenagers and adults uh, nasal polyps. Uh, it can also traffic to the lungs where you can get allergic asthma. It can traffic uh, to the gut and you can get, have food allergies and in eosinophilic esophagitis. We also know that, um, that there are other influences over time to the immune system. And so, and so as we change, as, as our immune system is changing and, and as our body changes over time, our, we could start uh, having other um, uh, atopic diseases pop up at any time. And that's again why atopic dermatitis is such a heterogeneous disease. Yeah, it's so strange just how differently it can present. And, you know, it, it truly is kind of the gift that keeps on giving with all the things that can happen as a result of this inflammatory process. And then there are even additional comorbidities that patients with atopic dermatitis can, can deal with. The growth disturbances that we've talked about, even things like osteoporosis, osteopenia, fractures, increased risk of fractures, increased risk of ADHD, anxiety, depression, learning disabilities, autism spectrum disorder. There was a couple recent studies looking at increased risk of cardiovascular disease and maybe even thyroid disease. Um, with this chronic type two inflammatory process going on for sometimes years and years and years. And so there's just so many manifestations of this process, so many reasons to get things under control. And uh, again, to go back to one of my biggest pet peeves is the minimization of these things um, in the effort or in the thought process of, oh, well, they're going to outgrow it. Well, they're suffering now, let's treat them now. And we don't want any long stream consequences of this inflammatory process. I think some people just don't understand the burden that is living with a child with atopic dermatitis. I had a little baby patient the other day who is miserable with his eczema, up all night scratching, the parents aren't sleeping, and the parents were complaining to the grandparents about it. And the grandparents were like, how bad could it be? We'll take the baby one night a week to give you guys a break so you can rest. And after just one night, babysitting this infant with atopic dermatitis, the grandparents were like, we have got to solve this problem. This is awful. Can't believe you guys have been living this way. So I think some people who minimize it just don't know just how bad it can be and don't know some of the ramifications. Like I said before, kind of the side effects of poorly controlled or uncontrolled atopic dermatitis over time. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. This is a good segue to our next question because you, uh, you already kind of touched upon it. As we've been discussing, um, atopic dermatitis is certainly a multifaceted disease. Uh, what kind of impact uh, does pediatric AD atopic dermatitis have on patient quality of life as well as caregiver quality of life? Uh, huge, 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 huge. Studies show that parents of a child with atopic dermatitis lose on average an hour to an hour and a half of sleep every night. I don't know about you, but I would not be that pleasant to be around if I was losing an hour to an hour and a half of sleep every night. And, you know, we talked about the comorbidities that the patient themselves can experience. I, I talk to my families a lot about growth disturbance, and it's funny because that seems to be the comorbidity that scares the parents the most. Like, oh no, we can't have a 
a short child, which I try not to take offense to because I'm 5'1", five 5'1 one. Five one on a good day. And so I'm like, no, no, I want your child, child to grow big and strong, big and strong for sure. And so it's not just, just a skin thing. It's not just a thing that they're going to outgrow. This is something that needs to be properly diagnosed, properly assessed in terms of severity, properly treated um, to make everybody feel better, live better, do better. And that includes not only the patient, but their caregivers and family members, because one child with atopic dermatitis contributes to a lot of suffering for the entire household, which on the bright side of things, and I think atopic dermatitis is a great example of trickle-down healthcare. You help that one kiddo do better, and you're helping the whole family unit do the same. So we have a very important role as dermatologists and allergists to go out there and, and help these kids live better lives. <laughs> yeah, I remember one of my patients with the worst atopic dermatitis that I've seen, and she was a six-year-old uh, uh, girl, and I, over 90% of her body was covered uh, with lots of lichenification, uh, redness, uh, excoriation. Um, she was not learning at all because she was always constantly scratching. She would also have infections because of all the open wounds on her skin. And so she started becoming very anxious. Didn't we even want to take a shower anymore because the skin was burning. Uh, she obviously became depressed and was feeling isolated. She was embarrassed to be seen. She was not very talkative. She was very shy. And it was just, uh, it broke my heart seeing that. And just watching her life change with the proper treatment has been amazing. Um, the second um, patient that I wanted to say was a teenager. Um, it was a 16-year-old male who had atopic dermatitis on his face and arms and legs. And so he was always wearing long sleeve shirts, long pants all the time. We're in Alabama. It's 110 degrees outside and he would never go out swimming because he was just embarrassed at the way he was looking. Uh, he was also embarrassed to go out on dates and he kept saying that he doesn't want to go hang out with his friends because he's just embarrassed about how his face looked like. Um, and he was also constantly flaking. And so he was teased a lot for like having all the skin on his desk and he just did not want to participate at school at all. Uh, definitely. It's just enormous. It's enormous. And we see it as derms and allergists. We see it every single day. Thank you to our esteemed guests, Lisa Swanson and Whaley Song, for your valuable insights on the patient journey, clinical presentation, disease trajectories, and burden on patients and caregivers associated with pediatric AD. Thank you for listening to Advent On Air, providing the signs of type 2 inflammation on the go. If you learned something from this, leave a review and subscribe to Advent On Air to hear new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and adventprogram.com. Mm-hmm.